This next upgrade is going to be absolutely huge. We also learned how to do tests on a mainnet fork. A lot of very interesting things are happening to IBC currently. Actually, the next step, which which terrifies me a little bit even. Welcome to the Bare Metal Podcast. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning back into the Bare Metal Podcast. I am your faithful Ship the Code from Rockaway X, and today I'm bringing you Andrei Zavgorodny of the Neutron Projects. Welcome, Andrei. Hello, hello, nice to be here. So, can you please give us an introduction, uh, you know, to yourself and, and then tell us what Neutron is? How did you get involved with Neutron? Uh, all right. Uh, so, yes, my name is Andrei Zavgorodny, and I am uh, the CTO of Neutron. Um, I... I mainly uh, participated in writing code for Neutron uh, before the launch, and currently I am working more with the uh, with the roadmap, with the processes in the team, and so on and so forth. Because um, I think that one of the main things that blockchain, after its launch, should be focused on is providing good experience for its users and for the builders that build their protocols on top of um, on top of the platform. And that is basically what I'm trying to to ensure. Great. Um, can you tell us sort of more about Neutron itself? If you if you had to explain it in a nutshell, I mean, Neutron as a project, what does it do? Yeah, yeah, of course. So Neutron is a smart contract platform that is interchain secured by Cosmos Hub and is built with uh, with cross chain functionality in mind. Um, it provides two main benefits uh, to its users and builders. Uh, first one is the best economic security because it uses the validator set of the hub to produce its blocks. And the second thing is um, uh, it's application specific or enshrined, if you, if you prefer this word, uh, infrastructure, such as uh, the duality modules, block SDK, cron module, uh, the upcoming uh, in-protocol Oracle. Uh, and all of those things basically allow protocol builders to implement sophisticated interchain applications. Uh, would you call Neutron as, would you think of it as a general smart contract platform or do you think it's, it's more geared to specific use cases? In my mind, I'm thinking of like, say, Say Network says, you know, we're focused on DeFi applications because we're all about speed and, you know, we're, we want to have lots of block space. Is there a use case for Neutron like that or are you thinking, you know, anything goes? I think that Neutron is, this is my opinion, but I think that Neutron is a general smart contracts platform. Uh, but what Neutron is focused on is basically allowing smart contract developers to build protocols that are essentially interchain. Uh, and Neutron is probably the best platform to build such an application uh, nowadays. Right, precisely because of that integration you were talking yeah. about. Oracles are being available out of. I'm sort of thinking of this out of the box. If I'm writing a smart contract, I can I can use those. Yeah, uh, this is this is something that is upcoming. Uh, I'm not exactly sure if I can tell you when this is going to launch, but it is going to launch soon. Yes, this is going to be um, this is going to be an in protocol Oracle. I'm not sure that I can say that, but uh, one of the one of one of the teams in the ecosystem is uh, helping us to build it. And basically, it is going to rely on ABCI++ functionality to, um, to create an in-chain oracle that will be fed with information by the validators uh, with the vote extensions and so on and so forth. I don't know whether you know what, what that is. 
uh, but I can. Yeah, can you tell us about what extensions? I don't think it's been discussed this on the podcast before. Uh, yes, actually, it is a very interesting feature of ABCI++. And it basically allows a validator to, um, to attach any kind of information to, to, their, to their vote. And then it, it basically provides you a set of callbacks into the usual uh, tendermint uh, you know, flow of producing the block with the pre-votes, votes, pre-commits, commits, and so on and so forth. And then the validators can, on that level, agree on a certain kind of information. For example, you can you can imagine that every validator is going to is going to query for real world data about the price of a certain pair of tokens. And then they're going to provide their um, their price price values with the vote extensions. And then uh, those those um, those price values are going to be aggregated in protocol and a final deterministic value for a certain uh for a certain pair of pair of assets is going to be calculated and then written to the storage of the blockchain so if you if you're wondering whether or not this is this is like weird or maybe there is some security issues because of course the real world values that the validators get from the outside uh they can be they can be different for each validator then yes they're there is indeterminism, but it is allowed on certain stages of uh, of the ABCI++ uh, workflow, so to say. But it is then removed or eradicated on the later stages when the when the vote extensions are aggregated. When the consensus happens. So the way I, I read your your description is that vote extensions are repurposing of the voting logic for blocks to other pieces of information. Yeah, you can basically attach any any kind of uh, any sort of information to uh, to to existing primitives in Tendermint. For example, like other uses of that would be maybe uh, providing information about existing data attestations uh, for certain blocks on Celestia, for example. This sounds very similar to what oracles do, but they do it outside of um, yeah. say the blockchain logic, right? So they also get different values, they aggregate them, and then they commit a transaction. Except exactly. the consensus happens not outside the chain, but sort of the, the determining of the common value or the agreed upon value, let's say, yes, happens exactly. inside the uh, block processing logic. The difference, though, is that with with standard oracles, it is it is a little bit hard to ensure uh ensure good behavior from the participants of like a, a multi-party oracle right while if this is baked into a blockchain we can actually slash for misbehavior for example i'm not saying this is that this is how it's going to work from the get-go for example with this oracle because this is of course a very new thing right i don't think that it is like extensively used anywhere yet so of course this is not going to be something that we just uh, proposed to our validators uh, with, with no prior, you know, discussion and uh, debates even maybe. But uh, yeah, in in theory, in theory, you can actually you can actually enforce certain types of behavior, which is usually which is usually not something you can do with regular oracles. Um, yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. In protocol, oracles available for everybody. Essentially, you know, you don't have to pay say extra. Uh, funds to actually get the Oracle data on chain. That definitely sounds good for uh, protocol developers. Um, 
how if we go you know one stack level up um, what was the motivation to start building Neutron? Because there are certainly other projects that we're building, so let's say general purpose, they're WASM-based, um, you know, smart contract platforms. Were you guys um, focusing on some 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 projects you wanted to support or did you feel those solutions wouldn't work for you? Yeah, actually, um, when we started, like this this whole thing started when we, when we were trying to... Um, when we're trying to build a cross-chain liquid staking protocol, actually. Um, and while the architecture uh, of the liquid staking protocol itself was, at least at that time, clear to us, we were less experienced then, and so we thought that it is clear, <laughs> uh, we, we soon realized that even if we build this protocol, it is not exactly clear where to launch with that protocol, right? Because there is basically um, there is basically three limitations that that we saw almost I mean everywhere in the ecosystem to, to a certain extent each of those limitations apply to uh, to any of the existing platforms the first one was the lack of uh, economic security the second limitation was um, maybe I should put it like lack of cohesive infrastructure for building a sophisticated protocol uh, like liquid staking that works uh, across multiple chains. And lastly, there was a problem of, um, there was a problem of, how did I, how did I put this? There was a, a problem of ecosystem alignment, I would say, in the sense that if you are, if you are building an energy chain protocol, right? you would probably, it basically, I mean, an interchain liquid staking protocol, it basically manages state assets from multiple chains on that, inside that protocol. You would want that protocol to exist on a chain that would be aligned with the rest of the ecosystem, right? So for example, uh, when Terra existed, Terra probably was not the best example of, of, of a platform that was aligned with the rest of the ecosystem, right? Due to various reasons. So yeah, we uh, we saw those limitations almost everywhere. Uh, and at some point we just decided that, well, if we do not see a place where we could, where we could launch, we should probably create such a place for ourselves. And so, yeah, this is how Neutron started. So that's why the, the strong focus on, say, interchain accounts, interchain queries, and all this sort of IBC-based infrastructure from the get-go. Okay. That's, yes, exactly. That's sense. Exactly. That, <laughs> that, that, was, that was the part of the limitation. Like, this, this is about the limitation of not having the adequate infrastructure for a sophisticated enough protocol that is an interchain protocol. If we shift focus to, you know, what's being built around Neutron, um, guys have been online for a while now what would be some projects that you think are um, you know interesting that are they're building or about to be released um, I found I was looking online I found on Twitter an announcement about Nexus bridge seems to be very fresh yeah Nexus uh, bridge can you tell us about that yes it's uh, it's a very interesting project because um, it basically allows to bridge Tia tokens to rollups on top of neutron and I very much like this bridge because it uses the the hyperlane architecture, which is a very generalized architecture for any type of bridge, basically. Uh, and we were we were able, like on Neutron, it was it was possible to 
to build essentially a one-click uh, user interface for for such uh, for such transfers of TIA tokens, because basically the only thing that was required from a user was to issue an IBC transfer on Celestia, and then through the use of IBC hooks, uh, this uh, this IBC transfer was basically rerouted to to a hyperlane smart contract on top of Neutron, and then the rest happened automatically. So yeah, it was a very it was a very nice uh, like a showcase of of what hyperlane can do, and we have actually more plans uh, for 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 hyperlane in terms of the wrapped stake ETH uh, bridge. We have an, an idea to to build a bridge that is going to be basically a generalized bridge that is going to rely on several on several uh, bridge providers such as Axelar, Wormhole. Uh, and is going to aggregate their their commitments, so to say, and to use the security of both of those bridges to to pass messages. Mm -hmm. So, would it be fair to say, you know, the bridge built on top would be in some sense as strong as both of the underlying bridging infrastructure? Like, are you trying to sort of like build, um, let's say, aggregated security, or what's the purpose of using yeah. multiple providers? It's kind of it's kind of like that. Basically, Hyperlane allows you to it, it gives you a lot of freedom uh, when it comes to the choice of the particular security model that that you want to use. There is basically there is basically for, for example there is there's going to be a smart contract that is going to be the uh, interchain security module as they call them um, dedicated to the XLR side of the deal so to say. There's going to be another one that is dedicated to the wormhole side uh, of the deal and then there is going to be on top of them an aggregated interchain security module uh, module which which can be fine-tuned the way you want for example you can you can make it a two out of two right you're going to probably yeah probably you're going to sacrifice liveness for security right uh and basically there possibly. is yeah there is there is there is a lot of various ways to to build your security model okay that seems uh, an interesting piece of infrastructure to have um, what other projects um, are sort of top of mind uh, in terms of you know neutron well the the most obvious one that we're currently working on uh, and it's like an in-house project essentially uh, it is Lido and cosmos that is going to launch on top of neutron uh, I don't know whether we we should go into into any details there maybe Kai Tudin, my uh, my colleague he is the uh, I think his his position is chief technical innovation officer uh, in Neutron. We are basically yeah we've been working together since the very very beginning of this whole thing. So yeah, and he is currently responsible for uh, for everything Lido related. And the other the other thing that comes to mind is the Shogun. I hope that I that I pronounce it correctly. Uh, project that is basic. I I'm not sure that I can give you a lot of information about Shogun, but in as far as I understand, it basically allows you, like, if you if you want to swap some tokens, for example, right? Um, and there is another person who wants to swap a little bit less of those tokens. Like, they, you want to buy them, they want to sell them. You want to buy 15, they want to sell 10. What Shogun allows you to do is it allows you to first do a kind of like a peer-to-peer -peer exchange of the amount that uh that is available for example if you want to buy 15 they want to sell 10 
then uh, then you'll get the 10 from from that person. And then it basically reroutes the rest of it to, I don't know, uh, a DEX, just on smart contract that can do the exchange for you. And the idea yeah. is this would be cheaper for me, the user. Because... Yes, of course. And it, and it kind of prevents... I was just wondering whether that you know the advantage for me in using Shogun would be that this this is for some reason cheaper because let's say the P2P match so this is order matching between between users that are participate that want to participate in the market. Um, I, again, I'm I'm thinking in my head. I'm sacrificing some latency. The swap doesn't happen immediately, but there is some sort of I can I can say I want to wait for a match up to X minutes and then uh, you know something's going to happen. Or oh. is there like an order book of of you know. Uh, I think, to be quite honest, that, that there is no latency there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, uh, give you any statements about that because not that I am very much invested into the architecture of their protocol. But I think that it's basically if there is an existing pending, you know, offer from the other side that can cover your needs, then it's used. Mm. And if That's it's much. if it's not, then you just use the traditional DEX. One of the things that it probably yes, one of the things that it's that are probably good about this approach is that it it's. I think it sort of helps you to mitigate MEV, you know? Well, hopefully at least partly. In the P2P match, I would yeah, expect that, you know, exactly. that you're, uh, you're matching between two, let's say, of the less informed participants. It's, it's not, unless market makers get in there again. And oh, yeah. Well, there is, there, <laughs> uh, there is always, uh, you know, room for <laughs> exploiting certain aspects of protocols. Right. Anything, so, so we talked Nexus Bridge, we talked about Lido and Cosmos, so we talked about Shogun. Is there anything that comes to your mind or is this covered the sort of near future? I think that this is the nearest future or, of course, we should probably mention the fact that uh, Duality is going to launch. It's, a, it's an order book uh, exchange. It is going to launch as part of Neutron. Uh, it's going to be several modules that we're adding to the binary. And this is going to happen very soon. I think uh, the upcoming month when we have when we have the uh, network upgrade, the next network upgrade. Is there already a proposal on chain or? I don't think that there is a proposal on chain yet. I think that, so, okay. There is, there is a couple of things that I wanted to say here. So this next upgrade is going to be absolutely huge. And so we wanted to we wanted to test everything as thoroughly as possible. And I think that there has been a lot of progress internally that, we, that we've made um, in terms of quality assurance, because we, we do huge corridor testings. We do tests on the test net. And we also learned how to do tests on a mainnet fork, which is a very, very, very nice thing to do. Like we usually ride before, like not just ride before, several several times before that, but even right before uh, the 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 upgrade, we we will just basically check that with the on-chain data, the upgrade goes well, which is very good. So, so yeah, sir, and I'm thinking in my mind, you can simulate the upgrade. Yeah, you can simulate the update and see if the the logic would all you know check for panics or for error conditions exactly before you then roll it in. And that sounds and so we so we did that a couple of times already. And the re so the upgrade was supposed to happen like late November, I think initially, or optimistically. But uh, we did all of those testing routines, and we found like we were, we were able to find several issues with the dependencies that we have maybe with the modules that we have. And yeah, that basically delayed the upgrade by a month or even more. But I think that it's better to to launch safe than fast. <laughs> yeah. I, 
that sounds like a statement that anyone can agree with. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, is there a builders program, or are you guys, you know, do you have uh, like an ecosystem fund to support builders? Are you somehow, you know, wanting to attract new protocols to come to Neutron? Oh yeah, definitely. So, well, I'll start with the I'll start with the basic things. Basically, there is a very nice community. There is support from the technical team. There is the technical builders chat. You can uh, if you're if you're a builder uh, and you build on Neutron, please make sure that you join that chat. You can you can find it in the FAQ section in the uh, Neutron docs docs.neutron.org. Uh, we actually answer questions there, and uh, we try to talk to various teams about their experience. For example, huge shout out to Nolos because they helped us identify certain issues with the existing implementation that were addressed in the um, in the upcoming upgrade. So yeah, there is there is basically that. And from the other side, from the more like organizational side of this, there is a grants program that uh, recently launched which you can you can apply for a grant if you're a protocol builder and there is also there is also a speci specialized grants for auditing existing implementations existing protocols if if you're a protocol and you want to uh to get a subsidy for for an audit of your code and we encourage everyone of course to audit their code we do <laughs> uh then yeah you can apply you, you can apply for that so yeah there is actually quite a lot of things that um that we have and also of course there is there is documentation i think that one of the senior people uh, senior engineers in the in the team was uh, recently assigned the task of completely overhauling the the documentation and making it like the best documentation available in the ecosystem so yeah happiest guy on the team i expect uh in a way but this is this is actually this is this is actually a very hard thing to do you know we have to oh yeah 100% look um all all jokes aside uh, first of all it's super useful uh, obviously to have important docs just want to be clear there uh want to have solid docs uh and up to date docs right i mean the best thing for a dev is yeah. looking at outdated docs and thinking why isn't this working and then looking at the code going oh those docs don't apply yet so yeah, yeah. look uh, totally i was i was joking since um uh, a lot of the devs sometimes think of doc writing documentation as the less sexy part of, of development, but it is absolutely 100% important. I would say that developers in general can be can be divided into those that like writing texts, just texts in general, and those that do not like that. I personally loved writing texts. I absolutely adore this thing. I think that a beautifully written technical, technical specification is a work of art. <laughs> uh, okay, I think there's a whole episode in there, but I, I just want to keep focus on <laughs> on Neutron because we could go down the rabbit hole of of um, you know um, dev work and and what makes sense and when it makes sense. But mm -hmm. I wanted to go back to to Neutron. You mentioned security several times and ecosystem yeah. alignment, um, and um, you know you guys have become an ICS chain. Um, I'm curious about the calculus that went into this, right? I mean, when we were starting the project, like, did you guys already think, okay, we're going to build interchain infra, we need to be secured by by Adam, that needs to happen for us to have credibility, or, you know, did this happen later? How did this work? And then the obvious next question is, you know, you've just, you've had a, at least a few months, right, to get... Um, uh, to build experience. I'm wondering if you're seeing any sort of um, gives and takes that happen around ICS. So just like this whole, uh, this whole issue is, is interesting from the get go. So give us the the skinny. I'm curious. Yeah. Um, 
addressing the first question, the first part of the question, um, just as I mentioned, we were thinking about security and we realized that if you're a protocol that manages state assets from different, like from other chains, then you gotta be secure. Like otherwise this doesn't make any sense. So that was of course, one of the, one of, one of the issues that we had in mind. And then I think it's, it's safe to say that it was a little bit of a fortunate coincidence, you know, like a, a fortunate, uh, sequence of events that ICS was almost ready at the time and that we could start building Neutron with that in mind. We didn't actually, originally we did not, we did not use ICS modules in Neutron. We, we were building it. I mean, we knew that we we're going to be an ICS secure chain, uh, interchain secure chain, but we didn't build it as such because the modules were not, um, the modules were not ready yet. That's, that's, that, that's just, that's just the truth. And so, Moving on to the next part, to the second part of the question, I think uh, one of the one of the like drawbacks that that we experienced was essentially this, and it was inevitable. We were the first chain to launch as an interchain security chain, and so literally several security fixes were applied to uh, to ICS modules like a week before before the launch, maybe even days before the launch, right? So that was that, that was a lot to to you know to go through. We can call it exciting. Yeah, it exciting was exciting time. Lots of excitement. Yes, that's that's right. Um, I still remember, by the way, the first blocks produced. I was looking at oh, the, I was looking at the explorer. It was oh. yeah. The launch was 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 not without issues, of course, because like it took us, I think, almost like thirty hours to fully launch, which was nerve wracking. Um, but anyway, yeah, related to that, if it's, if it's, uh, like m moving away from just like the fact that it was the first chain that launched an ICS, there is of course certain, uh, certain drawbacks. For example, let me think about this. There is the issue with the, uh, potentially missing 5% of the voting power because Neutron launched with the soft opt-out option that basically allows the lower 5% of the validators not to participate in uh, in the block production, and this, if, I'm I'm not saying that all of them are not participating, but in theory, this offsets basically the requirements for your uh, for for the amount of the voting power available by a certain amount of percents, right? And uh, yeah, that's that that's probably one of the one of the things that you need to keep in mind. Let me, let me understand this. I'm not sure I get it right. Um, you're saying. I understand the part where five bottom five percent of voting power doesn't need to participate, but does that mean that by default, the maximum voting power online for Neutron is ninety five percent, or that the economic sort of the the quorum is computed from the ninety five percent? No, no, no. It it means exact. Oh, it means exactly what you said first. Like in the okay. worst case scenario, only only ninety five percent of the voting power is going to be present on the network. Yeah. I see. Okay, so there is, in some sense, less sort of um, less margin between the required yeah. sixty-six plus two thirds plus yeah. VP. It's like it's, okay. It's still it's still the same six, sixty-seven. Let's say uh, sure. sixty-seven percent requirement, uh, sixty-seven percent threshold. But it is a little bit harder to get there, basically, because some of the validators can just not attend to to an upgrade, and well, you cannot do anything about that. Uh, right. Um, that wasn't. That's a question I had. We do a lot of monitoring around, you know, validation and validators and, mm -hmm. and various metrics. 
Um, we don't actually uh, track any of the ICS chains yet. So I'm wondering, you know, does it happen that the Cosmos validators, let's say, you know, they, they still produce Cosmos blocks, but they don't actually produce neutron blocks? Uh, or like, do you see that they are they have difficulty running the second node as sort of like the sidecar to the to the Cosmos um, node they're running? Do you see some sort of service impacts there? Um, I would say that uh, outside of the events of an upgrade or in the, or the events of you know we we unfortunately had a very uh, unexpected chain hold at some point, which we were able to deal with quite quickly. Outside of such events, uh, the lack, basically, of of the validators that is uh, that that logically follows from from the soft opt out, is not something that like affects us at all. So basically, the 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 day to day operation of Neutron is pretty much fine. Although uh, there is there is actually there is actually one issue that is going to be fully uh, fully fixed in the next upgrade, and that is basically every several days, due to the way that the ICA modules are implemented and not IC, ICS modules are implemented, we experience um, an increase in latency in the block production because every uh, every block sign window interval there has to be uh, some processing done of the slashing of, of the missing blocks information and in the current implementation the missing blocks info the missing blocks data is saved uh, in a very not optimal way and basically you need to loop through a lot a lot of elements in an array which uh, which basically slows down everyone but uh yeah there has been some right. optimizations that were introduced uh and they're included in the next upgrade so yeah uh, uh yeah this, we'll... is, this is, happens on some chains right I mean, osmosis has a slow block i think yeah. every day when they're computing rewards yeah. and they're distributing so that's a lot of iteration you know in the key value base, which is not ideal exactly um, exactly 100 <clears throat> yeah so zooming out a little bit um out of now the the, the ics landscape um, I'm curious, you know, is Neutron what it wants to be now? Or do you guys have like a vision of what Neutron is supposed to be in a roadmap to get there? Now that, I mean, you know, you've, we've been talking a lot about cross-chain infra. It seems like you've done a lot of work on this. You've been great at CS, ICA. Is this it? Or will there be a, let's let's call it Neutron 2.0 towards, towards which you're sort of now aspiring? I think that I'm... Of course, not the best person to talk about the like long, long-term plans of Neutron. But in my, in my opinion, what I would like to see is basically where Neutron creates this sort of environment for both the end user and the protocol builders that allows them to essentially forget about the fact that the operations that they are performing on this platform are actually affecting several different uh, blockchains and even ecosystems because we are we, we do have a lot of plans uh, that involve different ecosystems not just the cosmos based ecosystems can you talk about some of those ecosystems are is, like obviously ethereum comes to mind but are we talking maybe avalanche maybe near maybe polkadot maybe i personally have been much more uh involved in various uh joint projects with celestia uh recently so yeah i'll i'll probably say just that 
if you want to if you want to learn more about like the long-term plans of Neutron, you should probably better talk to Avril. All right, that sounds like uh, that sounds like an invitation. Um, all, right. all right, so uh, this was a tremendously interesting chat. Uh, thanks very much for coming on, Dre, and fingers crossed that it's going to be as easy to write cross chains uh, smart contracts with cross-chain effects as it yeah. is to write uh, self, you know, smart contracts contained to one chain only today. Yeah. By the way, there is actually one topic that I just remembered. I don't know whether you like know a lot about uh, about IBC and various extensions of IBC, but I think that there is, like, in terms of like the future of interchain computations and so on and so forth, a lot of very interesting things are happening to IBC currently. IBC itself is a very nice protocol, right? It allows you to have IBC transfers, interchain accounts and so on and so forth. It's amazing. But we can see that on top of it, there is various interesting extensions emerging, such as the packet forward middleware, which allows you to build multi-hop routes for your packets. And there is another one, which is the IBC hooks, which basically allows you to, and it, and it works in a very funny way. Like you, you just input row JSON into the memo field of your packet. And then this triggers this triggers just the execution of any arbitrary message, right, uh, on the receiving blockchain. And so yeah, I don't know how this works. So I, IBC is always a welcome topic on uh, on the podcast. It underpins uh, you know lots of the Cosmos infra. So let's let's dig into that for yeah. a bit. Um, so there are basic IBC is a, is a protocol for transferring yeah. packets, right? And on top there are various applications built. So fungible yeah. token transfer, then there is NFT transfer and additional logic. Uh, yeah. We're talking about the packet relay middleware, and um, the IBC hooks part I don't think was discussed on this oh. pod, and I don't know much about it. So like it's it sounds really interesting. Once you can react to an external message, that's almost like sort that's, of Oracle like, right? I mean, that's so, absolutely so, yeah. That's, I think it, it's it's outstanding. And there is like actually the next step, which which terrifies me a little bit even. So IBC, IBC hooks allow you to basically add a memo, which is a JSON, a JSON string uh, with, a particular, um, with a particular structure, which allows you to make the relayer execute a certain message while submitting the packet. For example, you can call a smart contract. This is how the Nexus bridge works, by the way. You you provide a memo with the that goes with the IBC transfer and it automatically triggers um, code execution on Neutron of one of the hard So the memo itself has to contain a valid transaction JSON, yeah. like MSG execute plus parameters or whatever. Something, I, th something, I think whatever. it's a little bit, I think, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you, we, you, we can assume that yes, it's it's basically just a valid message. For example, a message to the to the Wasm D module uh, that 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 has to uh, to route that message to a particular smart contract and call it with the with the following arguments or the following parameters. So this would require like in the begin blocker and blocker. Or I, I don't know if, how that's going to work in ABC plus plus, but somewhere works. like at the. Yeah, I think it works as an IBC middleware, actually. Mm -hmm. There is, yeah, I, I think that it also works as an IBC uh, middleware. I might be wrong, but I think that it is. I don't think that this is processed in the uh, in the end blocker or in the begin blocker. And now, there is this very interesting problem. And I, I, I know, um, I know that there is some efforts to make, um, 
packet forward and middleware work together with IBC hooks, which creates very interesting implications because in the packet forward and middleware, the basic assumption is that if something happens along along the route, you need to roll back things. You, you need to roll things back, right? Some chains can explicitly say that, you know, for certain actions, there is going to be no rollback, but uh, for example, if you if you if you if you combine those two things, right, it is going to be absolutely not clear how exactly to roll back the state, for example, of a DEX, right? If well, something was if, swapped, like, since the whole thing's async, you can have exactly. processed a couple of more blocks. This this sounds, yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is very interesting, and basically the idea that I wanted to that I, that I wanted to mention here is that in my understanding. In the future of IBC energy chain development, uh, a lot of discipline and accuracy is going to be required from a protocol builder. All right. Well, that was an interesting sort of uh, uh, call out uh, there yeah. at the end. So, yeah, I hope IBC sounds um, like it's going to be, uh, it's becoming more and more flexible and it's really sort of shaping yeah. itself up to be the backbone of, uh, of the interchain. That's true. So fingers crossed that happens and we export it to all those ecosystems. I agree. Very much agree. Well, thanks very much for coming on today, Andre. It was a Thanks great for chat. having me. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed everything works out with the Thank upgrade. Thank you. Have a good day.